0: Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight incredible women in STEM and discover who they are at home, at work, and everywhere in between. You can find all of our episodes online at podcast.swe.org or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts.
1: Hello, I'm Jenny Johnson and one of the co-leads of the Society of Women Engineers Early Career Professionals Affinity Group, also known as the ECPAG. Welcome to Diverse SB Podcast. January is National Mentoring Month, and I'm thrilled to have Liz and Miguel joining me for a mentoring session today to talk about starting a new engineering job as an early career professional, from mistakes to avoid to tips on standing out and how to get placed on interesting projects. Liz is my mentor and a mid-career professional. She's a technical director in a totally different field for me, which is aerospace engineering at Northrop Grumman Corporation. She's also the FY24 finance committee chair. We met a couple of years ago through our involvement with the WeLocal advisory board. And since then, we've been able to meet at different suite conferences, both We23 as well as some WeLocals. And I've definitely reached out to her when I needed her assistance when I was switching my jobs, and also even as a reference, which was really exciting. Welcome, Liz. I'm so excited to dive into this topic with you today. Thanks, Jenny. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for asking me
0: to do this with you. I was so honored when you asked, so thank you. I've been working for 20 years now, and I've been on both sides of this situation as an early career professional who changed jobs. Same line of work, but switching from being an engineer in civil service to working for one of the primes. I've been a project lead who takes on new members of a team and a hiring manager who's hired experienced people with what I like to call skills-adjacent backgrounds, and also now as a technical director who leads leads. I'm excited to share my perspectives
1: around this topic with you. And I'm excited to hear it. Thanks, Liz. As I mentioned before, my name is Jenny Johnson, and I'm an environmental engineer with CDM Smith. I've been here for just over a year and a half. Previously, I was in government as a mine regulator, so keep that in mind once we go through this. It's definitely a different job than I have now. And I am almost five years into my career, which is a little scary because that means I'm halfway through my early career.
0: I'm laughing because you've got another 30 to 35 years
1: ahead of you. You're (laughs) like, oh my God, it's so far. like, girl, you got time. I'm just worried about the five years until I hit (laughs) my mid-career. Oh, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine.
0: So Jenny, you did something that uh, is pretty common for early career professionals, which was both exciting and scary. You changed jobs and industries.
1: Why did you decide to do that? And then how did you go about doing that? Yeah, it definitely was challenging. And as I mentioned before, I was in mining for three years and I actually knew that I wanted to switch roles for a while, even kind of Before I even accepted my mining job, I knew I wanted to move to consulting and I wanted to do work in water. My biggest concern was about getting design experience, especially pursuing my PE. I felt like that was really important if I was gonna have a license. And I really liked that consulting is a fast-paced environment. I felt it would be a good place to be as an early career professional because they throw so many different topics at you all the time. You really get crash course and a whole bunch of different topics, and for me specifically, environmental engineering. And in consulting, there were more PE's and just engineers in general that I would be able to learn from. Uh, learn from. And whereas back at my last job, there was only a couple, and it was a little bit hard to get that mentorship. How did I get this job? Well, because I knew that I wanted to switch for a long time, but I really did like my last job, so I wasn't in a rush to find a new job. I was really able to. Do my research of a company I wanted to look at, and then I followed them on LinkedIn. As I was going through LinkedIn, one day I noticed that they're going to have a virtual open house. And even though it was for a completely different location, they wanted to hire folks for, I still went because they said, if you have any questions, you want to learn about the company, you're welcome to join. So I joined the event. And when I was in a breakout room, which I was lucky enough, it was all CDM Smith employees. So I really had all of their attention. I was I mentioned that I wanted to work for them. I was really enthusiastic. Obviously, my background didn't really match water work. So I really had to highlight my skills that I felt like I would be able to bring to this company that would be beneficial. And I honestly would say the key to that was my enthusiasm and saying that I was really determined to be able to learn the work as quickly as possible so I could be an asset to the company. That's
0: awesome. That's what every employer wants to hear, honestly.
1: Yeah. and. I'm just lucky I had that opportunity because without that, I would have just gotten lost in the online applications. Well, I think you deserve a lot of credit for putting yourself out there in that situation.
0: And look at how it paid off.
1: Just amazing. (laughs) I'm so grateful for it every day. So, Liz, you've been on both sides of the hiring process. So I really Uh would love to hear your thoughts on this. As I was looking for a new job, I really wanted to find a company that aligned with my interests and values. So when I was researching companies, you know, I looked at their website, their social media, and sometimes there's reviews online, you know, looking at Glassdoor even. And I was hoping that would help give me a little bit of a taste of what their culture was like and, you know, what they really cared about. And while I was able to learn a lot of things that they do care about, what they support, it doesn't really show you what the culture will be like once you get there, which I know is hard to do in an interviewing process anyways, but do you have any tips that could help early care professionals assess a a potential workplace before accepting that new role?
0: Oh man, that's a tough one because it's right out the gate. Okay, Uh, the thing is, it's hard to pin down the workplace culture of an entire company. It differs from sector to sector, from site to site, from program to program, even team to team. Uh, But I do still think there are some things a potential employee can do during the hiring process that can help them assess a potential workplace. I've gotten open-ended questions during interviews like, tell me about your company's culture. And I think that, honestly, it's it's a way to give an interviewer room to speak to their ideals rather than getting down to brass tacks. Instead, consider asking very pointed questions on specific topics that you already know that you're going to care about. For example, obviously, we're both interested in in SWE, and being sponsored to attend SWE conferences. So just ask them. If you're at a SWE conference, I would ask the person interviewing you if they're a recruiter or a hiring manager for their company or an individual contributor, which if you meet them at a networking event, that's a huge green flag. They're sending their individual contributors to the conference. Obviously, they support SWE and their employees getting the most out of SWE's value. If the person is a recruiter, ask them if you can speak to someone from the site and as close as possible to the team that you're going to be working with. If the person is on site, meaning at the conference already and immediately available to talk to, that's a huge green flag as well. Ask them all your questions. Just ask them on the spot, right? If the recruiter offers to connect you after the event, that's still a very good sign. Ask the recruiter if their company sent anyone to attend the conference, even if they aren't related to what you're interested in, because that's going to show you, again, that the company really cares and they put their money where their mouth is. And the thing is, actions speak louder than words. If the person is a hiring manager, ask again if the company set anyone to attend the conference, not just to be there to recruit. And also, how did that come? How did that company pay for that person to be there? What's the process look like? How easy is it to get sponsorship? What's the criteria for the company to have their employees attend? And if you're already talking to the individual contributor, hopefully someone who's early career like you, ask them directly, where are you sponsored to be at this conference? And what did it take to get here? What did getting sponsored look like for you?
1: I think that's really important advice. Now that I've joined my company, I really do see how complicated it is to be able to go to conference. And I understand, you know, the R budget and it would have been really good for me to know beforehand. Well, I was just curious beforehand, right? What does that look like? It wasn't necessarily going to change my decision. But I did ask the vague question of like, do you support SWE? Well, of course they support SWE. You know, they're hiring women engineers. They collaborate on some other programs with SWE. Yeah, but how? Yeah, exactly. How? How was it, you know? And so I definitely wish I knew that beforehand. And I'm just lucky it worked out. Yeah, you want to make
0: sure that the how of how a company supports SWE is aligned to the how you want to be supported by the company in your alignment with your support of SWE. So that's pretty specific to you. And so you want to make sure you ask very direct questions. And now you know you can ask. Okay, my next piece of advice is really hard, if not impossible, if you're an intern or college hire, because a company doesn't necessarily know which team you're going to be on when they give you an offer. They haven't actually placed you with your exact team yet. If you're a few years into your career, you're being hired through what's generally called an experienced hire process. They generally know exactly what they're trying to hire you for. AKA they're trying to leverage existing skills you already have. And so they know exactly which group they're trying to hire you with. And they're probably doing the onsite interview as a first interview. And there's going to be a follow-up interview with the actual team that you're going to be working on. So then you'll really be able to ask them directly about specific aspects of the culture that are important to you and what you want to know about.
1: I think that's really good to know. I'm always afraid to ask too many questions, or maybe questions that they might take the wrong way. So I have a feeling I'm not the only one who didn't know that. And I really appreciate you sharing that. I think the important thing when you ask questions, if you're worried about them being taken the wrong way, is as long as you're coming
0: from a place of genuine curiosity, they're, you know, you're. know, if it's obvious you mean well by the question, generally those questions won't be taken badly. So you don't need to worry too much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so the last part of my advice has to do with the questions you actually ask. You want to ask for evidence of the things you care about, not just not the things that you're really after, because you basically want them to prove it. So this is where you need to start with some personal reflection to figure out what culture really means to you and what, what that means you're going to ask of that company. So, for example, does the team do social things together? Ask that if that matters to you. Do members of this team stay on the team for their whole career, a few years, or something in between? That's going to give you a sense for how prepared they are for taking on new hires. How does your team, department, or whatever pick leads for projects, and how are members of the project team selected? What does a day, a week, or a month look like for a member of the team that might be similar to me? Those are all questions that are going to help you get a sense of what your day-to-day is going to look like and the things that that most likely matter to you. Now, these might not be the questions that you want to ask, but like I said, take some take some time for self-reflection and you'll figure out what questions that you want to ask.
1: Those are some great questions. And in both of my processes to get my both my jobs, my first two jobs as an early career professional, I definitely did not ask any of those questions. And I think it really would have been beneficial if I did, just because I want to know, like you want to be prepared for what you're walking into. Yeah, as I can... I can relate to that. I don't. I
0: definitely did not ask any of these questions when I was early career and just take it from my experience, having been on the other side of the table, knowing that I'm perfectly fine with you asking these questions. I want you to be able to ask whatever questions you need to to make sure that the company is the right fit for you as much as you're the right fit for the company. The last thing I want is to hire someone who's only going to stick around for a year. And leave because it wasn't the right fit. I'm I'm as interested in you finding a fit as you are. So that's, I think, important for you to, to hear as you're going into an interview.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. It is really great to hear from someone who's been on the other side and, you know, what they're expecting to hear from us anyways and just knowing the best way to phrase it so it doesn't come off in the wrong way, like we mentioned before. And it really does show that you're coming from a place of curiosity. Yep. All right. We went through the interview process. We asked all these wonderful questions. We now have the job. How do we continue to assess if we're in the right place? How do we figure out if a company is going to be the right place for professional growth and a long-term success? And what if it's not the right fit?
0: I think this is a question that gets asked throughout your career and not just uh, at the beginning of your career or an early phase. This is something that everyone asks whenever they change jobs, change companies or assignments. Everyone likes to say, you'll just know. And frankly, I find that to be an unsatisfying answer. To some degree, it is true advice, but it's certainly not for me. I want a framework to think it through. So here's my framework. First, are there any big red flags or non-starter issues? If so, then yeah, there's a problem and you know what to do. There's not a lot to think about there. That aside, you want to ask yourself a few questions. Have I spent enough time in this role to give it a fair assessment? That depends on the role. You generally need at least two to three full cycles, projects, whatever your work is measured by to get a sense of of the work. It takes time for you to learn the technical aspects of the job and how you feel about your job is dependent on how comfortable you feel in it and takes time to get comfortable with those aspects. Uh, It also takes time for more introverted colleagues to open up. So developing those work relationships. For some, it comes quickly and naturally and and for others, it takes time. So you got to you got to keep that in mind. I would give it at least six months to figure it out. But honestly, it can take a couple of years. And I think it's important for people to hear that it's okay for it to take a couple of years for you to figure it out. If you get to the six month mark and you're thinking, oh God, I don't know if I'm ready to make a decision. Do I, do I stay? Do I leave? Do I talk about it? What do I do? If you don't know that six months, that's okay. It could take two years. And that's that's kind of normal, actually. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't stress about that. And I think it's useful for people to hear that.
1: I completely agree. It really does help to know that it might take a while to figure it out and you don't really have to rush to see if it's the right fit. And as someone who has gone through one job for three years and now just over a year and a half into my new job, I agree that it definitely takes time to build those relationships, but also learn the technical aspects. It really took me two years in my last job to feel confident about what I'm doing and now a year and a half, I'm, I'm not there yet. Yeah, you're all. still learning. That's okay. And so it's really hard to know if I'm going to be successful in this long term or if this is really what I want to do as I'm still learning and trying to gain that confidence. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So there are definitely questions to ask yourself once you get past
0: that two to three full cycles and you are in a comfortable place to be able to ask yourself these questions. Do I feel like I'm learning? Is this work that I can see myself mastering, as in I want to master this work? Am I excited to come to work? And this can be because you love your teammates or the work, ideally both, but it needs to be one or the other at least. And then do I feel like my leadership sees my value? And if you have all those things, then you're probably in a good place and, and keep going. And if you don't feel like you have all of these things, then you need to really think about it or at least start having conversations with people. Like a mentor, absolutely so, love that. <laughs> so, based on your answers, you will be able to tell whether or not you're a fit. And if your team doesn't feel like the right fit, but the company generally still feels like the right fit, you might actually look at switching teams within the company versus switching companies. This can be a lower risk because changing changing companies completely means you're starting over again, and that means you lose all the time you spent learning the company's processes and developing the network. Within your company to help you have an, a good head start with your next team,
1: I completely agree. I've spent so much time really trying to like catch up, build the network here at my company, and it would be very challenging to have yeah. to start over. Yeah, starting over is hard every time you do. It's just it's hard. So, uh, and honestly, you know, you're talking about switching teams within your company instead of leaving. I think a lot of people forget that that's an option. And that's actually one of the reasons I sought out my company was because I knew they have different offices. I knew they have different areas of environmental engineering. So if I didn't like one, I can move to the other. They do some of my old work as well. So if I really found out that mining is what I preferred, I can still work for this company and be able to switch to a different topic.
0: Yeah. And you know, on that same note, it's not even just It's not just about liking your team or not liking your team. You think about your professional development, not all of the experiences that you need to round yourself out in the progression of your career development will necessarily be with the team that you have. So being with a bigger company that you're in now, that's gonna give you options for pursuing projects that are aligned with growing you more completely as a water design environmental engineer.
1: Absolutely, and that's definitely something thing that I'm finding as I'm yeah spending more time here within my company. All right, we got the job. We've assessed if it's the right fit, or maybe we're not quite at the point to assess if it's the right fit, but we're still new and we're getting a, t- a new task as a new member on the team. I think it's pretty common for early career professionals to have an insecurity if they're going to be able to do that task successfully, especially if they have never done it before. So what are some strategies or considerations that can help someone approach a new or unfamiliar task to them? That's a great question, and I want to answer it in two different parts.
0: The first part is the natural insecurity that everyone has when it comes to doing something they've never done before. I think it honestly feels scarier the higher up you go, but the advice is still the same. If you're doing something you've never done before... Yeah, you're not necessarily going to know how to do it. And it's okay to tell someone that. And frankly, the sooner the better, because your teammates are relying on you to get the work done on time. When those feelings come up, you have to tell yourself, I have never done this before. So, of course, I don't know what I'm doing. It might even be bad the first time. And that's okay. That's normal. It doesn't mean I'm not smart or capable of figuring it out. And really, I could be great at it someday. Just Not today. And that's okay. Unfamiliar tasks are going to be uncomfortable, but that discomfort, by definition, means you're pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. So it's something that is really important when it comes to insecurity. Okay, not to know what you're doing, and it's okay to tell other people that you don't know how to do it. Just ask for help. That said, the next part is a framework. And you know I love a good framework. Think of it like the measure twice, cut once advice. Do you have everything you need to start this task? Now, I mentally think about it like a map to a finish line. I was a runner. I've done the 5Ks, the 10Ks, the halves, all those things. And I think of it as running running a race and there is a start and an end. So first off, start from the end and go backwards. Where is the finish line? What is the product or deliverable that you want at the end of this task? If you don't know what that is, ask your task lead. Next, uh, how do you want me to get there? Is it defined or do I need to figure out the path? So does your task lead have a specific way that they want you to do the task or are they hoping that you're going to figure it out for yourself and and, and that's going to be up to you? Next, do I have the resources or constraints? Do I have all of them? What else do I need to consider? So timeline, I would consider that as a constraint. People, resources or tools that I can use Who's on my team and working towards the bigger task that I that is also contributing that I should collaborate with? Who should I ask for help? Who are potential mentors that I can reach out to on this task? And back to the timeline thing. So for example, if if you only have one day to get a task done versus a month, you can still get a task done, but the approach and the level of fidelity related to that task is going to be different. So that would be a constraint that affects how you approach the task and what you ultimately deliver. That's a Very, it's a constraint in every task that you have, right? Uh, And then, and along the path, when you're doing your run, got these water stations or support stations, right? I think of those as check-ins. How often do you want to status or provide a check-in on this task? So the more check-ins you have, the more support you have, but it's a constraint because you have to plan it into a task, and that's that's really important for longer tasks. So, for example. If you have three other projects that you're working and your project lead is looking for a weekly check-in, that's something that you're going to need to talk about because that's going to eat into a lot of the time that you do have to work on the task, as well as your ability to work on the other tasks. So to me, check-ins, timeline, those are, those are constraints that you have to work with. Whereas your teammates, your mentors, the tools that you can use, those are all resources that you have along your path. Okay. And then last, where do you start? Where is the start line? If your boss has some somewhere that they want you to start, you want to know about that. And if they don't, then you need to
1: know about that as well. I think that's so, great advice. I know that I sometimes get a little overwhelmed. You know, you're in the middle of a task, you get an email, you have a new task, you try to read it really briefly, and then you move back on to the task that has like a more immediate deadline. And I get further. Away from when they sent me an email, and I realized I didn't actually go through like a framework like this or ask my questions. And I'm realizing it doesn't look great to go back a few days later and be like, I actually, I'm not clear on what this task is. Do you mind doing X, Y, Z? But obviously, asking later is better than not asking at all. But I think going through this framework when I get a new task will be really helpful for me to be a better engineer, make the success of the project um, and have better quality. As well as just build a better relationship with my teammates and my project managers, because it shows that I'm paying attention, I'm engaged, and obviously good communication is very important.
0: Yeah, I really think you need all of these four pieces in order to complete a task. But if you figure it out later down the line that you need it, it's just just less efficient and it helps ensure that you've got everything you need to start and be on your way. So that's how I think about it. So, Jenny, I want to ask you a question now you left mining, a job that you were honestly happy with, but you knew you had a passion for water. I want to take a moment to be a proud mentor and recognize you just for that. You took bold steps towards your passions and you continue to do so. What our listeners haven't heard about are the things that I know that you're doing to continue to vector yourself towards that passion for water. So first is you do the work. There are a lot of extras above and beyond the nine to five, in addition to the billable hours that you're taking on to learn new technical, your new technical discipline quickly. Well, that's something we all need to do when we take on new roles. You have to do it so much more when you take on a new job with any level of experience. There's an expectation when we hire staff that they're going to learn fast and leverage their past experiences. And that's what justifies the higher pay and the higher level when you switch companies. So you're doing a lot of extra work to come up to speak quickly and build a network in months where your homegrown peers got years to develop that. So good for you, Jenny. That, that's a lot of work and you should get recognized for it. And you know, all that hard work is really paying off. While you haven't learned everything you want to learn just yet, you're working towards your goal to design systems for water processing and treatment. And look at the skills you're already getting from these projects that you're taking on. You need to make sure that you take inventory every year and market those skills that you are developing so that you can work on other projects that will continue to progress you towards your goals. Last, there are a couple of things that I think are natural for you that are really big strength. You have an intellectual curiosity when it comes to work. You are genuinely curious about people and what they do. And you're excited about your passions and you want to tell people about your, those interests as well. Those are both important components of networking. So your natural personality traits make networking easier for you, easier for you than others. You need to continue to lean on those personality traits to continue to factor yourself towards your long-term goals. And honestly, if your colleagues and your bosses are savvy, they're going to want to partner with you to leverage those strengths as well. So I think you have a lot to be proud of there. You've done great and you just
1: need to keep going. Thank you, Liz. I really appreciate you saying all that. It's- not something you hear a lot, and you definitely fall into this self doubt and just like so focused on trying to move forward and maybe you know struggle with the pace that it's going. So hearing all this is really important. So I really appreciate it, and I'm just yeah. so grateful for all your help in this process as well. I
0: have been just so proud of you along the last couple of years and watching you take this on and being so brave and so bold. So I just want you to hear how proud of you I am. You have a lot to be proud of. Thanks, Liz. Okay, so Johnny. Along those lines, what are the other things that you've been doing? Tell people listening what it really takes to do what you've just done.
1: Absolutely. So it is a lot of work. And I, like I said, I am playing catch up. I'm walking into a team where, you know, we have people who did co ops, internships, or were hired right out of school. So they've really had time to learn the technical work and build those relationships. I really take every opportunity to network with my peers and higher-ups, as well as grow my technical knowledge. One of the really cool things about sweet conferences is it's not all, you know, DEI and B, as well as, you know, giving you professional development and helping you decide, you know, where you want to go in your career. They actually do have some technical sessions, and I do think they have a decent amount that it really does cover a wide range of disciplines. So I had the privilege to go some to some water sessions, both at We23 as well as WeLocal Hartford. When it comes to networking opportunities within my company, I'm very lucky that we do social activities together. So sometimes we do after work drinks. Maybe we just have a team lunch at the end of the year just to, you know, decompress and say, you know, thanks for the hard work we had done that year. We have a holiday party that I'm able to interact with people. And we just have some other outings along the way, being in Boston, a lot of sporting events. And so definitely take advantage of those. I even volunteered to be on a committee that's designed to help grow junior engineers like me in the wastewater field. And during these meetings, I'm actually working with people across the country. And last week, actually, one of the other junior staff, we had decided to meet just during lunch virtually because she's in Florida, just to get to know each other more, learn about the work we're doing, and also make a plan to advocate for each other, seeing what our strengths are, where we can help with other projects. And that was going to help us get engaged in different projects across the country. Molly, cow, I love that you're doing that. That's so awesome. Yeah, I am very lucky that I have people wanting to do that. And actually, she suggested it. So I'm very grateful for that. And lastly, I did join an outside professional organization that is also designed for women. Um, it's like the Women Environment Network here in New England. And I have some coworkers workers uh, who are higher up and PMs who are actually part of this group. And, you know, they go to, this, go to these events. So I go as well. And even though we're there to network with other people and other companies and different aspects of environmental engineering or just the environment in general, it's still a good opportunity for me to connect with them and get to know more about them And for them to get to know more about me. That's so awesome. So as we wrap up this mentoring session, do you have any parting advice on this topic for early career professionals? Yeah, for
0: sure. Find a mentor and work to build a close relationship with that mentor. It helps to be able to speak candidly to your mentor, to be vulnerable and say exactly how you feel and what you're worried about. And I think that's why our mentoring relationship works so well. We're so candid and so honest with each other. It's so useful to have an outside perspective to tell you that some things are just normal and it's not just you. And some things are hard and suck it up. They're going to be hard. <laughs> Sometimes you need to hear that. We we met through SWE volunteering and we really clicked. So our mentoring relationship grew from that. And I think that's the reason why we have such a close and candid relationship. And SWE is a great place to find mentors for specifically that reason. If you want to hear more about finding a mentor, check out episode 206, National Mentoring Mark with Early Career Professionals AG in Diverse, a Sweet Podcast. They talk about mentorship, sponsorship, and creating an authentic and intentional personal board of directors.
1: Thanks for mentioning that because I do think that is a really good podcast. I learned a lot from it and definitely applied it to my own career and making sure that I'm intentional with my mentorship. I also want to you know, respond to what you said about building a, a mentoring relationship with someone and, you know, working in that relationship. Cause I truly am grateful for our relationship and I've learned so much from you over the years. And I agree, having someone who you can trust and speak candidly with and, you know, even hear some of the criticism that you don't want to hear or like hear, you know, hear the things you don't want to hear is really important. So I'm just grateful for you, even though you live across the country. I'm just so <laughs> glad we we're able to keep this relationship. Thank you so much, Liz, for your time and imparting your wisdom with us. I'm always grateful for your continued mentorship and our candid conversations. It's been such a fantastic conversation. Well, thank you so much for having me. Like
0: I said, I'm just so flattered and honored that you wanted me to do this podcast with you. So thank you for that. Before we go, can you share a little bit about Sweet Early Career
1: Professionals Ascenity Group and how our listeners can get involved? Absolutely. So... Early Career Professionals Fan Group, or you might also hear it as ECPAG. So we're geared towards collegiate seniors, graduate students, and individuals in the first 10 years of their career. Our mission is to aid in the recruitment and development of early career professionals and to facilitate their engagement with a participation in SWE. The AG provides a forum for networking, professional development, and opportunities to promote diversity of thought. The ECPAG aims to empower early career professionals to succeed professionally and personally. You can follow us on LinkedIn as well as join our Slack and mailing list to hear about upcoming events. And if anyone listening wants to get involved with the Early Career Professionals Affinity Group or one of the 20 other Affinity Groups that SWE offers to our members, you can visit affinitygroups.sweet.org. From all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe, leave a review,
0: and share this episode with your social network. You can visit podcast.swe.org to keep up with our episodes and learn more about how the Society of Women Engineers empowers women to achieve their full potential as engineers and leaders.